0: takes the snap, sets up, looks, looks, looks. He's gonna throw it way down there to T.Y., he's got it! He's gonna score, he's gonna score, he's gonna score! on a 64-yard pass play! Harper's on Miller, McKee gets it in the middle for the win! It's the Four tenths of a second! He'll never be introduced the same way again. From now on, it'll be Will Power, Indianapolis 500 winner for 2018 for Keselowski. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Bragging Rights. I am your host, Daniel Bragg. And today is going to be a good show. Coming up on today's show, the Pacers continue to play great team basketball. Purdue continues their run towards a Big Ten title, while IU may not even get invited to the NIT. And another wide receiver is hitting the market, who it is and why I think the Colts should look at him. Before I get to that, though, you can interact with Die Hard Sports Radio on their new website at DHSradio.com. On the site, you can find the lineup of shows, blog posts by show hosts, and stream all live shows while they are happening. It's pretty awesome. Again, I am Daniel Bragg. This is Bragging Rights, and we are brought to you by the Die Hard Sports Radio Network. The first thing I'm going to get to before all of that, though, is the thing that (laughs) I know a lot of you guys don't like, but I love NASCAR. So this is what happened. Yesterday, turn four, for the final time, Brad Keselowski is going to win the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500. So Brad Keselowski gets the win, indeed, just like you heard at the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500 at Atlanta. Uh, it was the first race of the season where we actually saw a little bit of what the new rules package is going to look like. It had the larger spoiler. It did not have the aeroducts. They will kick in in Vegas next week. Um, I saw a lot of mixed reactions about the race, uh, especially with the higher downforce package. They they slowed down the cars. Uh, For those of you that don't like NASCAR, don't keep up with NASCAR, they constantly change the rules. A lot of people don't like it. I like it because it tries to keep it competitive. But this, this year, they're, they're, they're trying to do something where not necessarily they want every race to be like Talladega or Daytona where everyone's bunched up the entire race, but they don't want guys getting out to 20-second leads, 30-second leads, lapping everyone. It's, it, and I appreciate that because it has gotten increasingly boring. And in today's world where attention spans are so short, that model doesn't work. I, mean, I Look, in a perfect world you let everybody put the best thing that they got out there and you know, whoever has the fastest car wins. It, it's not good. It doesn't make for good television. And, and you know what? Something could be said for the fact that TV has ruined racing. I look, I could agree with that, but at the same time, I, I feel like NASCAR gets unfairly picked on when in reality IndyCar and F1 do the exact same thing. Their goal is to put on the best show possible for the fans and while there was a problem yesterday where it did, it was noticeable where guys couldn't, nec- they didn't necessarily have the horsepower to get by each other. They would be running side by side and then if you didn't have the run, you didn't pass anybody. But that's just, it's another aspect of racing. It's just another challenge and we should welcome that challenge. I'm, I'm never going to, look, here's the thing. If you turn on the race and you're expecting to hate what you're going to see, you're going to hate what you see. If you turn on the race expecting to see something good, you're probably going to see something good and ignore all the bad. If you go into it completely open-minded, something that I know in 2019 is very hard to do with anything, but if you go into it open-minded, then and only then can you really draw an accurate conclusion of what it looked like. I'm a NASCAR fan. I hope for the best in everything, and I try to be as middle-of-the-road as possible. Yes, occasionally I do defend them to the hilt but it's all i defend them because i like them of course anything that you like when someone tells you your sport is stupid or your sport is dying or whatever or your sport is less significant than mine of course i'm going to get defensive of course you and i expect every other fan every other fan to do that that's the part of being a fan you you it's like in in september i know i'm going to be defending the brickyard 400 i defend it every year I know it's not the greatest race to watch on TV. It's not even the greatest race to watch in person. I've been to other races. IMS as a track kind of sucks. I said it. I love IMS. And it's my home track. So, of course, I'm going to defend the brickyard because there have been people that said we should drop the brickyard. It's my home race. I don't want to see it go anywhere because I like attending NASCAR races. I like being able to go to a race and not having to drive hours to see it. So I'm going to defend it. But Brad Kozlowski, uh, it was a good story because he ended up having the flu. I I want to say he had the flu yesterday. Uh, He woke up and posted on Twitter that he had his second IV. Uh, So he woke up and got an IV, which is incredible. And, uh, you know, it, it... it is what it is. He, I mean, Like I said, he was sick. He got out of the car and said that him and his wife both had been sick all weekend. And for him to drive through it and win is a good story. Am I so impressed with it? Am I comparing it to the flu game uh, a couple of years ago or with Michael? Or with, uh, No, it, it's not the flu game. It's not an iconic game that we're going to be talking about. But it is a good story. He was sick. He ended up driving through it and ended up winning. It was a nice story for him. Uh, moving on, the Pacers continue to play like a team that wants to win, which is nice to see since uh, a lot of people, um, I don't think anyone really thought the Pacers were going to tank when Victor Oladipo went down, but there was some question as to whether, or to, to just how successful this team could be without Victor Oladipo. And with the addition of Wesley Matthews, at least since, uh, he's been in town, and then the way the team has been playing since Oladipo went down. I mean, they've won what is it, eight of their last nine? Eight of their last nine games. They're at forty and twenty so far on the year. They're twenty games above five hundred. If someone had told me that at any point this season the Pacers are going to be twenty games above five hundred, I'm I'm pleased as all get out, and I, I'm I'm thinking Victor Oladipo is a big part of that. Looking back on this season, Victor Oladipo hadn't really been that big a p- part of it. He's been a part, but he, due to injury, unfortunately, and everything like that, this team is winning by playing team basketball, by distributing the ball, and game to game, you don't know who's going to be the leading scorer. That's a good thing. That I, I And I've said it on here, and I've said it to some friends of mine. It, the Pacers, if they can continue to play team ball the way they're playing right now, when Victor is in the lineup, this team can really do something. The problem is at least this season when victor got out there it was the offense ran through victor and i understand i understand after last year he became the superstar of this team he's the leader of this team i understand that he's probably the best player on this team i understand that but clearly at least this season whether it was whether he was injured or not i don't know but something was different when he was out on the floor This team all of a sudden ran through him, and they weren't getting wins like they were when he wasn't. He wasn't putting up the points like he was last year. So, I love what the Pacers are doing right now, and I really, really, really hope it can continue when Victor Oladipo comes back. uh, Domas Sabonis, on the other hand, continues to make a case for being the sixth man of the year. Some think more than that, but I don't know and by more than that I mean he should probably be starting. I don't know that he should be starting. Thad Young is still very, very reliable. He is very consistent as a player. what he adds just in hustle and leadership to that floor and that starting five. I think Thad Young absolutely should be starting. My only issue with the starting lineup so far this season was on uh, Friday or it was a fr- Saturday Saturday. When Miles didn't go in that game, I thought Sabonis should have been the starter at center. Um, and I said something to a co-worker about it, and he didn't quite... It was it was confusion, because it all of a sudden, Kyle O'Quinn was the starter. And no disrespect to Kyle O'Quinn, but when Miles Turner leaves the floor, who's normally coming in for him? Sabonis. So why... When Miles Turner is not starting, would it not be Sabonis starting? Like, I know, look, he's playing great coming off the bench. He's the only player on the team that is close to averaging a double-double. He's the, He is the best player on this team, statistics-wise. Statistic wise he is the best player on the team. He's the most well-rounded player on this team. He scores in the double digits per game, and he's at like 9.3 or 9.4 rebounds per game. He's leading the team in rebounds off the bench so he Sabonis absolutely at least statistically is the best player on this team and for him I don't know maybe I'm trying to carry his water for him too much by getting so fired up about the fact that he didn't start but it did it it irked me a little bit that he didn't start because I feel like Sabonis has been a little bit held back not not I don't want to say held back He's been a little—I don't even want to say disrespected—but he deserves better than being the sixth man. He deserves to start, and the fact that he doesn't start is a good problem to have because you have a Thad Young to start in front of him, and you have a Miles Turner at the five. But when one of those guys isn't there, Sabonis should be starting. He's the sixth guy off—he's uh, first guy off the bench, sixth man on this team. So why is Kylo Quinn, who normally gets like I don't know four minutes a game? All of a sudden, starting because Miles Turner isn't. It just, it, it puzzled me a little bit. It, it caught me a little off guard. And it, it's not because, and I'm not mad about it. Kyle O'Quinn played f- fine. He, I mean, he, he did exactly, he did exactly what we could expect out of him. He I think he almost, he was just shy of double digits, I think. And rebounding wise, he was a solid rebounder. Like, I'm not mad because, I'm not really mad because they started Kyle O'Quinn. I'm just puzzled as to why Sabonis didn't get the nod when Kylo Quinn normally doesn't even see the floor. But all that being said, the Pacers are still playing fantastic ball. I probably really shouldn't question them when they're 20 games above 500, and they've really, really been playing some great basketball. I don't remember who they're playing. I thought I wrote it down. They're playing a game tonight. Um, Give me one second to look it up. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. He, they're playing uh, the Pistons. They're they're in Detroit this th- tonight, uh, going up against the 28 and 30 Detroit Pistons. So hopefully they can continue this this stretch, go to winning nine out of ten, and again continue this run. How high they can get in the East, I don't know. I really don't. But at least right now, I believe they're third in the East, which is which is incredible. The fact that they haven't dropped since losing Oladipo is great, and you know, chasing the top two, um, you know it, it's it's going to be a challenge get getting over those two. But the playoffs are going to be interesting. The playoffs are really going to be interesting. As long as the Pacers don't drop below four, I think they have a, a really good shot at winning at at bare minimum the first series uh, in the playoffs. And we'll see we'll see what happens going forward after that. But if if you had told again, if you had told me that Oladipo would miss a, a large portion of this season, and this team would still be 20 games above 500, I'd take it all day. Moving on, uh, the moving on to the college basketball ranks. Uh, Purdue and IU. Last week, I said they were playing on Tuesday. They played that game, uh, and it went splendidly. And this is what it sounded like. Durham <laughs> staring at Edwards. Edwards fading away got to get back Purdue leads in a timeout Indiana It's Smith Justin Smith No Purdue survives 48-46 So Purdue's able to get the big win big road win uh NIU and then they went on the road uh, again yesterday or Saturday I don't remember which uh and got another big win so they they're knocking off knocking off big wins this week they're knocking off big wins this season especially on the road and they they're really on they should and and I got to temper my my enthusiasm because I'm a lifetime Purdue fan they should win at least the share of this Big Ten title. Uh, with, with with their remaining schedule, th- there's really no excuse for why they can't run the table. Uh, th- their final four games include Illinois, home against Illinois on Wednesday, home against Ohio State, which couldn't be a tough game, uh, at Minnesota, which again can be a tough game, and at Northwestern, that's how they finish their season. Um, but they should, realistically, they should win all four of those games. And Michigan State still has Michigan, even though they did beat Michigan at Michigan yesterday, which doesn't really make me feel good about it because of the fact that in the Big Ten, it is much harder to win on the road than at home. So, But I'm still holding out hope that Michigan will play spoiler and somehow knock off Michigan State. And then Purdue's just sitting there, taken, you know, the sole title, but we'll see. Um, Purdue did move up to number 14 in the AP poll um, from number 15. I I don't really know what to say about it. It, it The AP still continue, continues to keep Purdue lower than everybody else, but again, it's polls. I don't really care about polls. I care about getting that three seed in the uh, tourney, setting themselves up, the best that they can, and seeing how long this run can go. Sweet 16 is absolutely within Purdue's grasp. If you had told me that at the beginning of the season, I felt I felt good about Purdue going forward in the beginning of the season. I didn't expect them to be great. I didn't expect them to be a three-seed, especially. Losing four of your five starters and the only one you're carrying, yeah, Carson Edwards is an all-Big Ten guy and, and one of the best in the country. But, you know, it's basketball. One guy, he, it's not like he's a LeBron. He, he's hes not dra- hes not a Zion, obviously. Uh, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, but I think Purdue and Matt Painter have done an ex- excellent job. And, and really, even with my best hopes, thinking that they were going to have a good year, I didn't expect a Big Ten title. And I definitely didn't expect a three seed. I was expecting probably a five or a six. And, uh, and hope for the best as far as getting to the Sweet 16. Right now, this team is an absolute... should be a Sweet 16 team. This team has the potential, if they're hitting on all their marks, to be, I truly believe, a Final Four team. The problem is, a lot of times, they, especially lately, they can't put a whole game together. They'll shoot lights out in one half and then absolute poor in the second half. So... I mean, they, they did that against Maryland. So, we, we, we'll see. I mean, it's college basketball. It, it's the hardest thing to predict, and that's why we love watching March. And it's it's almost here, guys. It, Selection Sunday is only a couple weeks away, and uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's ramping up. Talking about the other end of the spectrum, IU, they can't get out of their own way. And... I, they lost to Purdue on Tuesday and lost to Iowa on Saturday. I, I don't know what IU can do at this point to turn it around. I mean, they, they look disinterested. They look um, unenergized. And I don't put that on the coaching staff. I really don't. Um, the the go-to thing for a lot of IU fans is we're going to just bash the head coach, get rid of the head coach, get rid of the head Look, it doesn't matter. The head coach was not the issue. Kareem didn't deserve to lose his job, but you took it from him because you said, well, he didn't bring us a national title. Look, IU fans, the biggest reality check that they need to have is that IU is no longer, no longer, and I need you to listen, IU is no longer a basketball powerhouse. They haven't been one in decades. I've been on this planet 29 years, 29 and a half years I have never seen an IU national title. I've seen IU be in the game, and I'll be honest, I was rooting for them. Even as a Purdue fan, I was rooting for them in 2000. But they're they're not a national power anymore. That IU head coaching job, the reason they got Matt Painter, or not Matt Painter, I'm sorry, why did I say that? The reason they got Archie Miller is because they couldn't get anybody else. And that's the reality of it. All, all this hope that, you know, guys like Calipari or, you know, one of those power guys. I'm not saying they want Calipari, but, you know, you know what I'm saying. This, this job is not heavily sought after. It's still a Big Ten job, and yes, it comes with history behind it. But not recent history. And even kids in Indiana don't think of IU as this big powerhouse. 17 8-year-old kids leaving uh, high school in their lifetime that they remember. They remember watching Purdue go to Sweet 16s. They remember watching Purdue win Big Ten titles. They don't remember watching IU do that. Yes, they can watch highlights with their grandpa and their you know, 50-something dad, 40-something-year-old dad watching highlights of IU winning national titles. Good for you. But it's been so long, you guys. And I need you to understand. It's They they got a big win when they got Romeo Langford. But the fact is, you getting one, one, one and done. And he's not even the best one and done out there. But you got a one and done. Good, good for you. He's going to go to the NBA, and he was an IU student. I guess if that means something to you, good. Run with it. But the fact of the matter is, Romeo Langford's not sticking around. The one year you had him, you might not even make the NIT. And I swear, when he went down at against Purdue with that shoulder injury, and then they said he was vomiting in the locker room, and then he tweaked his shoulder again, when he came back out in the second half I don't know what this kid's I I, I want to be I want to be respectful Because it's his choice He's a kid okay? I said it last week He's a kid I know he's 18 I know college players are 18 to 22 year olds They're kids And the fact of the matter is If he wants to play basketball He should play basketball If he wants to keep playing He should keep playing but at the same time, he everything he has done has been very calculated. And if you have any chance that you are actually injured, why are you playing? What do you owe IU? It's, it's just like the Zion Williamson thing. What does he owe Duke? And there are people out there that will get mad if he sits out the rest of the year. But what does he owe Duke? What do any of these one-and-dones owe these schools? At least Zion Williamson has a shot at a national title. If he comes back, he could go to the NBA with a national title. Romeo Langford doesn't have that. Romeo Langford, if you tweak your shoulder, what do you owe IU for these last four games of the season? If you know you're leaving, which I don't think he should, personally. I've been saying that ever since the beginning of the season. He doesn't look like a one-and-done but I keep getting told the NBA drafts on potential. Well, his potential at least in my opinion is at least an entire year in the G League. His ceiling as of right this moment is what? 10th on the team? 12th? Sitting at the end of the sitting at the end of the bench. He might see minutes because they know nationally of him. And there are NBA franchises that will do that. They will put guys out there that don't necessarily need to be out there or should be out there, but they'll do it to sell tickets. But he should... I Personally, he's not a one-and-done. To watch Romeo Langford, he's not a one-and-done. His shot is still terrible. He has no shot. One of his biggest things is they say, well, he's a shot creator. He creates his own shot. That's great. You can create your own shot. If you don't hit it, it doesn't mean anything. You can create a shot all day. You throw it up there, it doesn't go in. It's not two points. It's zero, and that's all anybody cares about. I think he would benefit greatly from coming back for another year. But it is, I understand, when you know more than likely you are going in the first round, you're going to see millions of dollars. Right now, you're not getting any. I understand why one and duns leave. I do. I love money, just like everybody else. I understand why they leave. But from a development standpoint, are you going to get... I guess the real question is, do you think that you're going to develop more in the G League under that staff than you will at your school? Romeo... I don't know. I don't know the quality of the staff that is there at IU. I really don't. But I know you You have a general idea of the quality of training staff and development and everything that you'll get in the NBA or the G League. It doesn't matter. These are guys that are have been doing it for decades, getting the best out of these players. So I understand if you leave. I really do. I don't think he should, but I understand it. Go get you some if you think you can get some. But if they tell him, if, if somebody tells him he's dropping to the mid-20s, tw- or, you know, early 20s, if you're dropping to the bottom third of that draft, I don't think he should leave. I don't think he should leave at all. But we'll see. I mean, and I sort of feel bad because I, as much as a, as much of a Purdue fan as I am, I still like to see IU succeed to a certain degree, just not beat Purdue. I IU could win every game this year. As long as they lost IU or as long as they lost to Purdue twice, I don't really care. That's just the reality of it. <laughs> it's just like with me with Purdue, football and basketball, as long as we beat IU, I really don't care. And I had a coworker, I said that to a coworker and they were like why do, why do Purdue fans think that way? And it's because we've never seen a national title, and that's the reality of it. We accept that, though. We know that we don't expect national titles out of our teams. IU fans, especially mid-40s, mid-50s, mid-60s IU fans, expect national titles every season. Every season. Based on nothing other than, well, they won it in 1988 or 87, whenever it was. That's the only basis that they go on. Well, we've won before, so I should expect a national title every year. No. No. That's a terrible way of thinking. Well, the Colts went to the Super Bowl in 2009. It's only been 10 years. They should be in the Super Bowl every year. No. You have to have realistic expectations or else you're always going to be angry. That's why IU fans are almost always angry on social media. Because you expect way too much out of a team that should not have that expectation laid out. Before the beginning of the season, all over local media was IU was gonna be this great thing because they had Jawan Morgan, they had Romeo Langford, Fennessey was there, this team was gonna be the top of the big ten. And in the same breath, right after that, they say, Well, we're not sure what to expect out of Purdue. Purdue really doesn't have a whole lot of weapons, and they're they're probably gonna have a rough season. Now I understand that's complete homerism. That's that's getting that that's their job. They're getting clicks. They're getting listens. They're getting views because the bulk of Central Indiana is IU fans. I get that, but my God, were you wrong? Like so wrong. It went and when they were questioning Purdue as much as they were, I was I wasn't getting angry, but I, I it was a head puzzler. I was scratching my head driving around like. Based on what are you saying <laughs> when, when four of the five starters you've never seen start? How can you say Purdue's going to have a rough season? But when you've never seen Romeo Langford play a second in the NCAA, oh, it, they're going to have a great year. They're going to be threatening for that Big Ten title. But that's the reality of living in central Indiana. I understand that. Moving on, though. Um, oh, the last last thing with NCAA. One and dones suck. I hate them. And they might be gone. NBA, thank God, proposed a, uh, I think, proposed a new rule or possibly they're doing something. Either way, they're trying to get rid of the rule where college athletes or where any athlete has to be 19 to enter the NBA draft. Thank God for that. I really, really hope they approve it. Because... Players like Zion Williamson should not be or should not be forced to come to college. One and dones will probably still happen. Absolutely, they will still happen. But not on the level that they do now. I really don't think so. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Moving on to the last topic of the day. I'm running a little long, but there's no show after me, so it's not a big deal. Uh, the Colts. Moving on to a little Colts talk real quick. Even though it is the offseason, the uh, free agency is fast approaching. Uh, Franchise tags are being discussed. Uh, People still don't know where Le'Veon Bell's going. People still are speculating. So much speculation about Antonio Brown and where he might get traded to. And the reason that's so important in Indianapolis, obviously, is there's a need at the wide receiver position. I think... I don't think they're going to go get Antonio Brown. That's just, that's silly. The amount you're going to have to give up for Antonio Brown, Chris Ballard's not that stupid. I, don't, I really don't think he is. I'd love an Antonio Brown if it came with a quiet mouth and less money. But it's not going to get either one of those. So, the alternative, I really thought, was Golden Tate. But the Ravens announced, I don't know how early, early, how much earlier ago, but I saw on ESPN, the Ravens have reportedly told wide receiver Michael Crabtree that they will be releasing him. That is great news. It's great news. It adds another name to the wide receiver pool that the Colts could potentially sign to be the number two. And that's exactly what Michael Crabtree needs to be. He needs to be the number two. He is that big-bodied, even though he led the NFL in drops last year. I still like him he's six one he's 31 years old and while he doesn't while he it's never been a 100 receptions guy and only eclipsed a thousand yards twice in his year twice in his career he has been a reliable consistent option in the red zone and that is great news and that is what I believe the Colts really really need between the 20yard between the 20s, you know, you, you can give it to a give it to anybody to, to an Ebron hit uh, T Y hit Doyle uh, hit one of the wide receivers out of the backfield. I hope they bring back Inman uh, Dontrell Inman in this scenario. I I love it. I I love it. Resign Dontrell Inman and go get Michael Crabtree. I think he would be a great option in the red zone. A solid number two. And look, I know the Colts have not had a good history. Uh, with going out and signing free agents. They haven't. I mean, immediately everyone thinks of Andre Johnson. I uh, Just going and getting guys way past their prime. This guy, that's not the case. He had a bad year with the Ravens, but that's only his bad. He really only started playing poorly once they put Lamar Jackson in. So... They're they're trying to rebuild the Ravens are trying to in the middle of rebuilding that offense to complement Lamar Jackson. I think that's the real reason why they dropped C- Crabtree. He signed for three years $21 million. I'm cool with that. Now, he, after that year, I don't think he's getting $21 million. But the Colts could go grab him for three years 18. I'd be I'd be elated with that elated with that with the with the prospects they have with I think I I really do believe they're going to bring back Dontrell Inman and then Doyle getting healthy again there is no reason why this offense can't be as high powered uh, more high powered than they were last year and a real quick thing on Le'Veon Bell I don't think it's happening so if you're a Colts fan that really wants Le'Veon Bell I think he can let it let it go it's okay let it go He's either, I really think he's either going to the Packers or, um, I saw, oh, who was it? I th- I don't remember who it was. The Packers or there's another one out there that really makes sense. And for the life of me, I can't remember it right now. Um, the Jets have been mentioned. I don't think he's going to the Jets. Um, but w- we'll see. The free agency is going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And I, I can't wait for it. it. It's it's really sad. Even with the AAF, um, I'm not watching that. I watched the first week. The AAF is bad. It, uh, <laughs> in a league, if, if there's a league out there where Trent Richardson looks great, I'm not going to watch it. And that's, <laughs> I base it solely on Trent Richardson. And the fact that they almost went bankrupt after one week. I mean, come on. It, the AAF... I really hope the XFL is better than the AAF, but either way, it doesn't matter. It's not the NFL. Yes, there's football on TV, and we're all longing for football almost year-round anymore. But the AAF ain't it, and I think we all know that. So, free agency fast approaching, the draft in April. The Combine is this week in Indianapolis. I've got tickets to go Saturday. I may go. I may. I don't know, because I also have to work that night. Uh, and I got to see my kid. He kind of likes me, and I kind of like him. So, but anyways, uh, a lot of stuff happening coming up in football, coming up in all sports. It's a great time, even when the NFL season ends. Uh, that the sport, the sports world never sleeps, and it, it's it's a lot of fun. And I appreciate everybody who tunes into this podcast every week, uh, who downloads the podcast, who subscribes to the podcast, whether it's on iTunes or Google Cl- uh, Google Music. Or SoundCloud. I don't care where you subscribe. I appreciate every single one of you people. Thank you for continuing this stream that I have. If you miss any part of the show, again, you can download the complete podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud. I think it's even out on sites that I didn't put it out on. I saw it the other day. It, it's I don't remember the name of it, but it's another website where you can get podcasts, and my show, <laughs> this show, is on there. I didn't put it on there. I didn't. I didn't ask how it got on there. I don't care. Any way that you can listen to it, I appreciate it. I really, really do. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. <coughs>